Okay. I'm gonna hit him. No, no, Bill. We, we, we must keep calm. <coughs> let, let me handle this. I know how to talk to workers. <coughs> now look here, my good man. Get stuff. Yes, sir. sir. <laughs> Goodies. Goody, goody, yum, yum. Remember, my friends, we are Englishmen. We'll do it. Not for reasons of personal pride, not for the glory, not even for the thrill. We'll do it for one thing, and one thing only. A lot of money. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a very sad special episode of the Goodies Pirate Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Richard. And I'm Tom. And unfortunately, Rob couldn't be with us tonight. He has a work commitment, but we have all gathered here to record this special. On the uh, very sad news that Tim Brooke Taylor passed away on the 12th of April 2020. Very sad, and I think a great shock as well. But we're here to celebrate the life and career of Tim Brooke Taylor, and hopefully this podcast will serve as a decent tribute. So, look, let's get into the episode. The first thing we just wanted to talk about was how we heard the news and our reactions. And I'll kick us off by saying that it broke very late in the evening here yes. in Australia. and. Like a lot of people at the moment, I've been working from home and have my remote access desk and desktop all set up. And so I was actually working at about 11pm on some work emails. And then suddenly on my Twitter feed, it just had trending Tim Brooke Taylor. And you just had that moment of, okay, I know what this is going to be. And yeah, I quickly went over to the BBC and sure enough, there was the confirmation. It's something very, very strange because all of our lives... We've had the goodies. Unlike a lot of other sort of big, iconic groups, you know, for my entire life, bar a couple of months, there's been at least one Beatle not with us, and for most of it too. For most of my life, there's been a member of Python not with us. For all of my life, there's been at least one Doctor not with us. Now there's three. Like, every sort of other big, iconic pop culture group, we're kind of used to there not being something there. But the goodies have just had this eternal part of their existence where they've always been three goodies and they've always got on and they've always worked together and we've seen reunions and they've done so much work and now there's not one and it's just hard to imagine Tim not being there. Richard, what were your first thoughts? How did you find out? Much as you, actually. It was late at night here and yes, I saw it come through on uh, on a Facebook feed and it was sort of like, oh my God. I don't think anyone really outside of his immediate circle even knew that he'd been unwell because he'd been working only quite recently. Yes. And then, of course, it becomes very sad once you get over that initial shock. Uh, yeah, Tom, what about you? I was a late advice on this. I didn't actually know until the next morning, and it was actually on the Channel 9 News, the Today Show in the morning. So that's where I found out. And then, yeah, that just sort of knocked me sideways and straight onto the computer. It was everywhere by the time I really got to know. Yeah, I was really really amazed and astounded and i guess in a positive way just how quick the outpouring of sorrow and interest in in what had happened and people wanting to remember tim happened in australia if you can get something with maybe two thousand tweets that can trend within 20 minutes of me finding out there were twelve thousand tweets in australia about tim brooke taylor it was all over my facebook feed it was all over social media and yeah it was on all of the daily news bulletins for the whole next day. This really was, for a guy whose biggest show in Australia stopped 
being made in 1980, nearly 40 years ago, this was just a big deal. And so many people of our generations talking about growing up with Tim Brooke Taylor and the goodies, and so many people also talking about other things they'd seen him in. Mm, very true. Yeah, it was big news here in Australia. I noticed once we got out of the Easter weekend, a lot of radio programs and that I encountered and across Australia were devoting segments, whole segments to talking about Tim Brooke Taylor. I mean, look, being in Australia, look, it was very heavily goody centred because as you alluded to, look, that's probably what he's best known for here. Mm. But there were whole segments of radio programs being devoted and just allowing people to ring in and share their favourite memories, which I guess is really what we're trying to do here rather than listen to us waffle for 40 minutes and just say how great we thought he was. We did intend this podcast as a way for fans to write in and share their memories with all the other listeners. So, Yeah, absolutely, and we'll be moving to that very shortly. A couple of people whose comments we really need to hear are, of course, the other goodies. I'll start with the tweet that Graham Garden sent out very shortly after the news became public. I suspect that he was informed by the family, obviously, privately, and was sort of ready for it to hit. And Graham said, Thank you to everyone who has sent kind messages about the loss of Tim. It's devastating to lose a friend and colleague of 50 or more years. Fun, sociable, and adorably silly, Tim was a class act. Our thoughts are with his family. We should also note that Graham has since written a very in-depth Eulogy, I think you'd say. A tribute, yes, of Tim. And uh, that was published in some of the UK papers and we'll be linking that on our social media feeds as well. There was also, of course, a tweet from Bill which went, 50 years and he only got cross with me once. Well, maybe twice. No, quite a lot, actually. No one could wear silly costumes or do dangerous stunts like Tim. I know it hurt because he used to cry a lot. Sorry, Timbo. A true visual comic and a great friend. Yeah, so two very moving just little tributes there from the other goodies. Before we go to our listener feedback and some other contributors' feedback, I just wanted to go through and each of us highlight our personal memory of Tim. I'm going to start off and just say the image that comes to my mind, and I say this partly because it was so iconic and partly because I know it's one that my father shares as well, and he was obviously a big fan and, and still is, and we know we watch the goodies together, and that's Tim walking down a street of London dressed in the Saturday Night Fever gear with the sink plug around him, with the hair, with the grease, and the way that he's just got the whole general public just looking at him going, what is this guy doing? And he's acting the whole time, and every gesture he makes, every look he gives is just hilarious and wonderful. And that, that to me, is the one single iconic image I have of Tim, just that costume, that bizarreness, that brilliant acting. That's where I am. Tom, what about you? What's your big memory? Look, mine's far more personal, and that's, of course, when Tim was out here for KittenCon yeah. 20 years ago, Easter 2000. It came out a few days before the actual convention started, and almost on that first day or the second day, he had to do a bit of press, Channel 7, and I think the Herald Sun had something, and he also did radio shows. I had the pleasure of driving Tim to a couple of these events, and... I was uh, honoured to hold the waistcoat <laughs> on his behalf, which was made fun of on air by Hamish and Andy uh, <laughs> as I was standing outside the booth, guarding it with my life. But yeah, he was just a gentleman the whole way through, never had a bad word to say, and it was just a pleasure meeting him and just being in that circle for a while. 
I actually was going to go with a memory from KittenCon as well. I have to say he was honestly an amazing guest. And having run a few events and that, he is by far the nicest bloke I've ever had to deal with. He ran himself ragged for us across the weekend. I mean, from the moment pretty much he got off the plane Wednesday morning through to when we closed the doors on the convention on Sunday night. He did interviews, he did promotional work, he did Q&As. He sat there and signed an endless stream of autographs, Mm. all with a smile, no complaints. I do remember on the Saturday afternoon particularly, I think we'd allocated about two and a half hours for autographing, and I think poor Manny sat there pretty much the entire afternoon. But he made sure everyone who wanted an autograph got one, and everyone who wanted to come up and just shake his hand and say thank you got to spend that 30 seconds with him, and they all got a warm smile and a sincere thanks. Absolutely. He was fantastic at that convention. And you're right, out of all the conventions that we've run, you know, in the old multiverse days and everything, he is by far the best guest ever. Mm. Yeah, that's really wonderful memories from you guys. I'm very sorry that I wasn't at KittenCon and wasn't involved and didn't get to spend that time with him. I did see him live and meet him briefly at the stage door when he and Graham came out uh, the night before your wedding, in fact, Richard, where we all went off to the goodies for your Bucks night. Yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I did get the chance to meet him, although it's not nearly as personal as you guys. I'm glad I did. We've got some other contributors to the podcast who have sent in their comments as well. The first of our tributes comes from Alison Bean, who's the founder and indeed first president of the Goodies Rule OK fan club. And she sent us this tribute. Hello, this is Alison Bean coming to you from a coronavirus ravaged London. It's a sad and weird time to be in what is normally a busy and exciting place to live. And I'm feeling especially sad at the moment because the first person I know to die from the coronavirus is Tim Brooke Taylor. Last time I saw Tim was in November at an event to celebrate the release of the At Last The 1948 Show DVD. He was on excellent form that day. See for yourself, it's on YouTube. I honestly thought Tim would live for at least another decade. He was always so physically energetic and razor-sharp mentally. Damn this coronavirus to hell. It's taken the best, it really has. 25 years ago, I was a university student in Adelaide who just discovered the internet. The goodies, my favourite TV show since childhood, was the first thing I searched for. Within six months, I was running a website about it. I never thought I'd get to meet all the goodies as a result of this. I just love the fact that I could connect with other people who like the goodies as much as I did. A couple of years later, when the Goodies Raw OK website was well established, I wrote letters to the three goodies explaining what we were doing. I assumed they wouldn't be online and wouldn't get it. I didn't expect to get a reply, let alone an email from Tim and later Graham. This was the beginning of more than a decade of emails with the great men plus numerous meetings, the first of which was on the 19th of April 2000, when Tim arrived in Melbourne to be the star guest at Kitten Con, a goodies convention I'd helped organise. Fabulously, he'd brought with him an entire suitcase filled with photos, goodies, props and memorabilia, most of which we auctioned off over the weekend to fans. I spent several hundred dollars on a set of photos of the trio. I treasure it. It was an amazing weekend, attended by several hundred mad but lovely fans. The highlight was a video link-up with the UK, organised by Tim's son, Ed, which enabled us to talk to Graham and Bill. 20 years on, we take video chat for granted, but back then they had to install special cables to get it to work. And even then, we had no idea if it really would work. 
So when Graham and Bill's faces popped up on the screen and we could hear them, the audience cheered for about five minutes. I cried. At the end of the convention, everyone was exhausted but elated. And when Tim got up to say a few final remarks at the end of the event, there were tears in his eyes. I think he was genuinely touched by all the love and affection for something he'd done several decades before. He was quite an emotional guy, I think, despite the stiff upper lip image. Five years later, the goodies toured Australia, and I was living in London permanently, but couldn't afford to fly over to see the show. I was gutted. Tim sent me an email. They were working on the script and wanted to include something about censorship. Who was the equivalent of Mary Whitehouse in Australia, he asked. I suggested the Reverend Fred Nile, who famously prayed for rain every time the gay Mardi Gras was held in Sydney. To my delight, this got included in the script. I know this because I got sent a copy of it, plus programs signed by them all. Bilotti wrote, you should have been here. He's right, I should have. Tim was amazing to us fans, extraordinarily generous with his time and charming to boot. I never felt I thanked him properly for what he did for us. Did he know how much we appreciated him? I hope so. Thanks for that, Alison. Very touching memories that you had there. Next up, we've got a memory from Ben McKenzie, who was the writer and director and everybody in a record and an OBE, a play about the goodies in an alternate universe. Take it away, Ben. Hi there, cats and kittens. It's Ben McKenzie here, and I just wanted to share some of my favourite things about Tim Brooke Taylor. One thing, really, in particular. He, I think was the best actor of the trio. Tim had immaculate timing, just a really good sense of tone, and I don't think I ever noticed him corpsing in an episode. They frequently had to use takes where Bill or Graham, particularly Bill, could not keep a straight face, but I don't ever recall seeing that for Tim. I'm sure that it did happen, but it seemed much more frequent uh, for Bill. I think my favourite thing, though, about him is that he was the master of turning on a dime, of changing his status from high status to low status, of changing his demeanour. And, I mean, I'm a big fan of the series all the way through to the end. I mean, it's got problems all the way through the end, too, let's be honest. But they made some really funny stuff, even in their last series. And I think one of the things that really exemplifies what I'm talking about is the Football Crazy episode, the last one they ever filmed where he's in the crowd watching the ballet at Covent Garden, you know, absolutely horrified with the behaviour of the football hooligans all around him. And then just as the swan dies and everyone's quiet, he's the one to get up and start abusing him. And he turns that, he just pitches it so perfectly where he's become consumed and, and influenced by what's going on. And he did that so many times. And every time it's a delight. So, yeah, Tim, thank you. Thank you so much. You taught me a lot about comic acting and you'll always have been an enormous influence on my comedy and life. Thank you. Thank you again for that tribute, Ben. As you can tell, Ben clearly is a devotee and to take the time to actually write a stage play and produce it and star in it just shows how much he loved the goodies and the fact that he could take part. Somebody else who had a very positive working relationship with Tim Brooke Taylor is Barnaby Eaton-Jones, who has our next clip. Now, 
Barnaby actually has the distinction of having worked with Tim on projects including the I'm Sorry, I'll Read That Again revival and on the Goodies Audio episode that they recorded last year where he actually stood in for an unwell Graham Garden on the night of the recording. And this is what Barnaby had to say. Oh, hello, Lady Constance here. Mm. Oh, it gives me great pleasure. Oh, and I hope it always will. <laughs> well, yes, uh, I've just had to get rid of Lady Constance. Hello, uh, my name is Barnaby Eaton-Jones, uh, and uh, greetings to all of you in Goodies Land. I've been asked to share a little memory of Tim. Uh, of course, that was one of Tim's uh, most famous characters from a BBC radio series called I'm Sorry, I'll Read That Again. Uh, Lady Constance de Coverlet, uh, who uh, had a voice like a horny flock of chickens, uh, as uh, we described her. Um, I, I revived I'm Sorry, I Read That Again as a stage show and taught it around the UK uh, for the last few years, uh, which Tim was a huge part of. Um, he used to cameo in as many shows as he could, basically. I think he would have done all of them had he not had other commitments. Um, he was an amazing man. It was it was lovely to get to know him. I never thought I would. Um, he came to watch the first, I'm sorry, read that again, radio show we did on uh, in a theatre as a sort of one-off. And um, I was incredibly lucky because he came to, I think, sort of watch it as a, let's just see if these guys are, are doing okay with our material. Um, and he... he uh, Loved it uh, and reported back to Graham Gardner and Bilodi, who were uh, who obviously are the writers, um, and said, "Yeah, you know these these chaps aren't uh, they aren't ruining uh, our legacy." And so we were allowed to to tour it, um, have a license for it, uh, and that's what we've been doing for quite a long time. Um, and you know, I, I absolutely love working with Tim, and, and he he basically loved working, so um, he loved being out in front of an audience and used to come along with us uh, and do lots of lots of silly things uh, which you know is i think a, a fitting epitaph uh, for somebody that they they have made people laugh a lot by being incredibly silly uh, it's what i would hope uh, i have done in my meager career compared to tim um i was just going to share a little uh, memory of one of the moments uh, from our tour uh, this was right back at the very start. I think it was about the the second or third show that we did. But um, he uh, it would always drive a really long way to come and and perform in the show with us. Um, and he was always uh, you know uh, on time. About this once, he was uh, slightly late, and we were getting a little bit worried. Um, and he suddenly arrived, sort of uh, breathless and a bit perturbed, and, and apologising for for being. Um, you know, for being slightly late, but uh, so he, <laughs> he described this exchange. So he'd gone to the uh, nearby art centre instead of the theatre, and it was only about five minutes away, but he'd gone around the back to try and get in, um, as you do, um, and <laughs> he knocked on the door and a chap came, and I'll try and sort of recreate the conversation that he told me because it was it was very funny. So, um, he, you know, he, he knocked on the door and somebody came to the door uh, and he said, uh, well, hello, I'm, I'm, I'm part of what's happening tonight. And this chap said, uh, are you looking for the bingo? Uh, uh, no, no, no. Because if you're looking for the bingo, that's not here. Uh, no, um, I, I'm part of the show. Um, oh, there isn't one. Oh, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'll read that again. You're what now? Uh, I, I'm Tim Brooke Taylor. Oh, nice to meet you. I'm Phil. Are you looking for the bingo? Uh, no, uh, Tim Brooke Taylor. I, I'm part of the, uh, I'm sorry, I'll read that again show tonight. What, the one that's on at the theatre? Uh, yes. 
Well, this is the art centre. You need to go to the theatre instead. Oh, right, thanks. So, are you famous then? And then uh, Tim <laughs> replied, uh, no, no, not at all, and walked off. Uh, and I just thought that, <laughs> that was the, the mark of the man um, who had no ego, no pretense, um, and just was... <laughs> was highly amused that he hadn't been recognised and didn't pull the, uh, you know, do you know who I am type of card, which lots of uh, lots of famous people are uh, apt to do. Um, he just, he loved being part of a team. I think he, he embraced um, all of us in, I'm sorry, I'll read that again, the revival. Um, and we just adored the fact that we could sit backstage and have a chat with him. And uh, uh, he wasn't one of those people who sort of regaled um, us with his tales and wanted to command an audience. He had to sort of, you know, have a conversation with him, asking questions about things, and then he would tell these amazing stories. Um, but he, uh, you know, as everyone will know, uh, you'll all have your favourite memory uh, of Tim from the goodies, uh, or even from I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, or I'm sorry that again. Um, and I've spoken at length about Tim uh, to various uh, places, and I just. Um, I can't quite get over the fact that he's not around. He was such a, a vital presence and still so energetic and and you know eager to to get out there and entertain audiences. Um, and I was very very privileged to have worked with him on uh, on a fair few things, um, including of course the revival of the goodies itself as a as a one-off special for Audible called the Big Ben Theory. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, then um, then do please listen to it because. It sort of encapsulates what the goodies are perfectly, I think. Um, and they had such fun recording it. And I had a, a, a real delight being there and uh, being part of it. Um, sadly, we were supposed to do a, a whole series of the goodies on audio. Uh, it had all been primed in pre-production. And there were six 30-minute episodes. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen now. Um, and I just, you know, it's such a shame that this horrible... Uh, disease that's a virus that's um, uh, spreading across the world is is curtailing uh, so many things and and stealing so many lives uh, um, from people that you know had a lot more to give uh, and should still be here. So um, I hope you all um, are honouring Tim in in a you know in a way that you wish to by running around shouting I'm a teapot or wearing a Union Jack waistcoat. Um, but I miss him terribly, um, and it's uh, you know I sort of. Can't I can't quite believe that I can't pick up the phone or, or drop him an email anymore. Um, so here's to Tim, uh, you know, massive, massive star uh, who wore his fame lightly um, and who was just a lovely, lovely twinkly man. Uh, we all miss him dearly. Thanks very much for that, Barnaby. I actually didn't know that there was a plan to take the Goodies Audios to a series because I really enjoyed last year's one. Yeah, that's actually very sad now that you think that that's not going to come to pass because I actually think they could have been quite good. Our next contribution comes from Brett Allender. Now, Brett is a long-time member of the Goodies at Rule OK fan club. He worked with you two guys, obviously, as part of Kid and Kong. Mm. He was the editor of one of the first episode guides, the editor of the Clarion and Globe newsletter, and appropriately, he sent us a written contribution, which, Richard, you're going to read for us. As a kid growing up in Victoria in the 70s and 80s, the goodies were my comedy heroes, and I loved coming home from school, sprawling out in my beanbag and watching their madcap antics birds larger than life out of our chunky old colour TV set. That time now seems a million miles away, as did the prospect of ever meeting one of the Super Chaps 3 in person. It was just something that was never going to happen. 
Fast forward 15 years or so to the late 1990s when I discovered the Goodies Rule OK fan club and a whole bunch of like-minded, goodies-loving loonies like me. The club was in email contact with TBT and I had the privilege of exchanging a few emails with him while I was working on the various drafts of my Goodies episode summaries. I was immediately impressed by how friendly and helpful he was and how he was genuinely grateful that the Goodies still had such a large fan base in Australia so many years after the show had ended in Britain. I thought that receiving a few emails from Tim was pretty cool, and it sure was, but things went to the next level when the fan club brought him out to Australia for the KittenCon Goodies Convention in Melbourne in 2000. As one of the organisers, I would not only get to meet one of my comedy heroes, but hopefully spend a bit of time with him backstage as well. So, would the man himself match the myth of the shiny shoe-wearing, patriotic speech-giving, I'm-a-teapot-posing TBT that I'd watched with awe on the TV screen for all those years? You bet, and more, as Tim was everything I could have hoped for in a childhood hero, polite, friendly, engaging and enthusiastic, with a wonderful, cheeky sense of humour. I'm sure that everyone who attended KittenCon will have their own special memories of meeting Tim and seeing for themselves how genuine and charming he was, but my special memory is having the great man sitting there beside me in the front seat of my car as a few of us ferried him around Melbourne to various media engagements. Being a country boy, I get a bit nervy driving in the big city at the best of times, but having the great TBT as a front seat passenger had me fervently praying for no crashes or other traffic tribulations, <laughs> as it definitely would have been front page news. <laughs> as an aside, strangely enough, I got to drive Bill Oddie and his tour promoter from St Kilda to Melbourne Airport in my car when Bill was out here in 2013, so now I only need to find a way to get Graham Garden to come with me for a drive, and I have a rather unique goodies trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs to do one of those carpool karaoke type things? <laughs> um, I met Tim again backstage on the two Goody stage tours in Melbourne in 2005, this time happily with Graham present as well, and I retained email contact with him in the following years when I was editing the Clarion Globe newsletter. Both Tim and Graham were always willing to answer the multitude of questions sent in by Goodies fans and had the happy knack of being able to provide new anecdotes or slightly different answers even when they got asked the same questions over and over again. I really felt devastated when I first heard the news of Tim's untimely passing, and I've been taking comfort in watching plenty of goodies episodes and listening to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, to see and hear Tim at his happy, healthy and humorous best. The old comedian's epitaph is to leave him laughing, which these classic comedy episodes will do, but Tim's loss has also left us crying as well. R.I.P. Talented Timbo. Thanks, Richard, for reading that out from Brett. Very touching indeed. Coming next, we've got Robert Ross, who is a well-known UK comedy historian and an author of two books on the goodies. Take it away, Robert. How you doing? This is Robert Ross, comedy historian in Comedy Cottage here about, um, oh, 40 miles due west from Cricklewood. Hope you're doing well. Um, obviously, this is a very sad thing. I'd rather not be doing this, but uh, it's lovely the fact you're paying tribute to talented Tim, Tim Brooke Taylor, uh, who we lost uh, what, a week ago now. So yes, uh, I suppose my earliest television memories of watching the goodies, I think they're sort of emblazoned in my imagination, mainly Tim being silly um, in full drag, falling into water in the opening credits or um, uh, battling that uh, outlandish gymnasium um, uh, horse in the gym scene there, but uh, and Kitten Kong, of course, on the, on the uh, telecom tower. But um, yeah, it's it's obviously hard uh, to lose this legend of comedy, but I've been very uh, honoured and thankful to have him as a friend for the last 20-odd years, and obviously he helped me greatly with my uh, books on the goodies, um, which I hope 
all your listeners have, have, have picked up a copy and uh, particularly uh, left field from that uh, the work he did just before working with uh, Graham and, and Bill on the goodies was of course with Marty Fellman both in at last the 1948 show and Marty's own BBC series It's Marty and uh, without Tim um, and the Bristol Slapstick Festival um, I wouldn't have had a whole load of original stuff of Marty Fellman uh, to use for the book um, a guy called Jack Hobbs um, work with Marty uh, on an unpublished um, biography and uh, Jack's son uh, Tony Hobbs went up to Mar- uh, Tim at one of the uh, Bristol Slapstick events which I wasn't able to be at and told him he had all these audio tapes so without those audio tapes uh, my Marty Feldman book would have been a lot less uh, full and detailed and uh, full of the voice of Marty really so that's thanks to Tim. Um, and talking about the Bristol Slapstick, I only saw Tim literally, what is it, nine, ten weeks ago now, down at the last Slapstick Festival, uh, where they were celebrating 50 years of the goodies. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's still hard to think of, of Tim in the past set tense, really. It's odd. He's always been around. He's been part of my, my comedy lexicon for as long as I can remember. But um, we will miss him dearly, and uh, his comedy will live on, of course. Uh, immortality is uh, is assured. Um, I know a, a, a very dear friend of mine, an academic friend of mine, um, is a massive fan of Tim and always would say, without tongue in cheek, that um, forget Cleese or Cook or Fry and Laurie or indeed uh, Garden and Oddie. The only comic genius to come out of Cambridge is Tim Brooke Taylor. <laughs> and I remember I was doing an interview with Tim uh, at the Museum of Comedy in Bloomsbury in London and mentioned this on stage to Tim and he sort of gave me a, a knowing grin and a wink and said, quite right too. Uh, <laughs> but that was Tim being tongue in cheek. But I remember when I was researching one of the goodies books, there was a Radio Times interview with Tim way back in 1973 when he said about the goodies that ideally the show will be great in 70 years time. Um, obviously thinking about it in terms of, of Buster Keaton and uh, early uh, cartoons, animation of Warner Brothers that uh, all three goodies loved, of course. Um, and here we are now, look, 50 years on since the show started and it's still as popular and as funny as it ever has been. So it's uh, Tim has uh, been proved to be rather a prophet uh, where comedy is concerned. So look, thank you so much for asking me to do this. It's been an absolute honour um, to remember Tim, as we always will. And uh, good luck with the podcast and sending loads of love from the homeland. Okay, take care. Robert Ross, signing off. Bye for now. Thanks very much for that, Robert. Very interesting to hear about the Marty content. I know when I was talking about Tim's passing with my mother, it was actually material from the 1948 show and the Marty series that she singled out probably as her favourite moments. So it was quite nice that that got a mention. And to round out this segment of our contributions, we have one final one from Lisa Manikowski, who is the current president of the Goodies Rule OK fan club and knew Tim for about 20 years. And she sent this tribute in for us. This is Lisa Manikowski, American Goodies fan and president of the Goodies Rule OK fan club. For this podcast in celebration of Tim Brooke Taylor, we were asked to contribute favourite Tim memories and moments. I was lucky to have known Tim for 20 years, having first met him at the Kitten Con convention in Melbourne, Australia. When I nervously approached him at the autograph table, he greeted me enthusiastically, already having heard about the girl who travelled from the U.S. to attend the convention. Over the subsequent years, in part thanks to my having become president of the fan club, I had the pleasure to meet Tim many times. He was an endlessly kind, gregarious, enthusiastic, warm, and truly funny person. 
It speaks volumes that he maintained so many lifelong friendships, and that there was such an outpouring of affection and fond memories at the news of his untimely passing. It is hard for me to pick a favorite Tim moment from the goodies or his other work, although I have been known to use a quote, If you want me, I'll be in the spleen, on more than one occasion. Instead, let me share this story, which demonstrates his kindness to and affection for his fans. After recordings of the BBC radio show, I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the cast, including Tim, would stop to chat and sign autographs for fans waiting by the stage door. Typically, the other cast members would finish and get into the taxi waiting to take them to their hotel, while Tim was still enthusiastically chatting with the crowd. On one occasion, the taxi started creeping forward a little to see if Tim would notice. Nope. He was still happily in conversation with fans. So the taxi crept forward a bit more. Tim still didn't notice. And this pattern continued until the car had crept around the corner of the theater, out of sight of the stage door area. Eventually, Tim realized the rest of the Clue team and their taxi were gone and panicked slightly until one of the fans, who'd seen what was happening, told him where the car had gone, at which point Tim made a quick farewell. At a subsequent show, I observed a repeat of the taxi creeping away maneuver. Tim still lingered to talk to fans until the car had moved a few times, when he was forced to take the hint and join his friends. Obviously, they realized it was hard for him to tear himself away without a little prompting. Thanks, Tim, for all the joy and the legacy of laughter you leave behind. You're irreplaceable, and the world is a better and happier place for your having been in it. Again, one of the things that comes out of all of these is the very just personal and individual relationship these people all had with Tim Brooke Taylor yeah. and how accessible he was with the fans of the goodies and his other work just over such a long period. We reached out to our listeners via social media and we asked for your thoughts, your favourite memory, and uh, we were swamped with feedback, which is just so wonderful. Uh, to think that a little podcast talking about a show from 40 years ago just had so many people who wanted to share their memories of Tim. So we'll work through them now. So, Tom, do you want to kick us off with the first batch of listener comments? I would love to. Thanks, Dave. All right. So the first one we've got is from Stephanie Dean, where she says, my favourite moment meeting him. She's included a photo of her and TBT together and have hugs and kisses. So I assume that we'll just put that up on the webpage? It's there now. Fantastic. Uh, next up is from Matthew Irvin. Sad to hear that Tim has passed away a part of my childhood gone. Keep Britain's shoes shiny. <laughs> Julian Burnell. She didn't appear much in the goodies, but Lady Constant de Corvallet from Iserta was so much my favourite Tim creation that it took me a day to register that his death meant hers as well. Nigel Brown has has to be Tim in Kitten Kong, absolutely hilarious. I'm assuming he's referring to the park sequence, perhaps there, I think. I think, yeah, could be. The pet exercise routine was actually one that Ronnie Barker wrote off as being far too physical and not something that anybody could actually do, until obviously along came Tim Brooke Taylor. <laughs> yeah, those physical stunts that Tim did were absolutely extraordinary and even more so when you remind yourself that this was the best part of 50 years ago and the technology that we have the safety stuff we have like it didn't exist this is just tim throwing himself in by force of will basically so i'm really glad we've highlighted that stuff yeah 50 years ago when ock health and safety wasn't really a thing <laughs> it didn't exist until much after the goodies that's right <laughs> Uh, Shane McConnon, the end, getting drunk on turpentine with the Bills, Terps for Burps, and Santa Graham, don't worry about him, he's pissed. Oh, has he? Yes. 
Uh, Craig Jackson, love the chartered accountant dance on At Last, the 1948 show. Oh, yes. That is actually a very complicated set of movements, that little sketch. And if you watch it, you can actually see pretty much all of the disco heave uh, in the movements that he does. <laughs> it is very, very disco heave, that. Absolutely. Speaking of. <laughs> yes. Speaking of, Shane McConnon from Saturday Night Grease. Hey. Stop messing with my zip, man. The Disco Heave, Tim Travolta and Olivia Newton Grey Bags. Michael Simshower said, Favourite Tim moment would have to be in the end, Scout Rages and War Babies. Yeah, three classics there. Three very good choices. Scott Stevenson, Saturday Night Grease, cracks me up every time. Tim as John Travolta and Graham as Olivia. Love it. The goodies were one of my absolute favourite TV shows during my growing up years on TV here in Australia. Thanks for all the entertainment and laughs, Tim. James H. says, Lady Constance, a perfect radio performance, a highlight of every episode and always delivered with what sounded like sheer glee. I always thought he was the most versatile voice on Asserta and excellent comic timing. Another totally irreplaceable talent. Kaora Tamura goes, Tamita! And Saturday Night Grease. <laughs> Andrea Finn, I've knitted a saddle blanket and brought in some horseshoes. Black and white beauty. <laughs> Beauty's blown off! <laughs> Already there, we've had a lot of comments, actually, that are from Tim not on the goodies, which just, again, shows how much people enjoyed his performances elsewhere as well. I'll keep us going with some more comments from Kylie Whitehouse-Shires. When the bagpipe spider that crawled onto him, that was a very good performance. We, we, we highlighted in our episode, I remember. Vanessa Stevens says, The Lighthouse episode, another classic for Tim. Jamie Ux Unwin. Whilst I will always love Tim for the speeches with the gramophone record, the Willy Wonka scene with the computer will always have a special place in my heart. His performance tells so much in less than a minute. He was hysterically funny in 60 years of performances and will be deeply missed by fans. One of our regular correspondents from our time on the podcast was Adam Deverell, and he's written in to say, Both my dad and my son love the opening sequence as Tim got dressed for the disco in Saturday Night Grease. I still laugh when later in the episode he says in a high-pitched voice, Excuse me, would you like to? Before unzipping himself and finishing with a baritone voice, like to dance. Personally, I love him in cunning stunts, specifically when they're firing Bill. Incredibly <laughs> insincere and snarky as he awards Bill a piece of cheese, mousetrap, with a plaque to William Edgar Oddle, although he gets his own back when he's a victim of the office shenanigans by the new female boss. <laughs> Andy, may I have this tarts cook, says, when he was Margaret Thatcher in The Goodies and Timolina Tottybottom. Alex Ferguson saw him in Perth. He told an anecdote about him and Jermaine Greer in the backseat of a car. Mm. I don't exactly recall what he said, but the inference was obvious. Graham what? Garden's reaction was classic Graham as well. Adam Berland, Scout Rages was my favourite Tim Brooke Taylor OBE episode. <laughs> Jack McNeil says, The Bun Fight at the OK Tea Rooms. Belinda Bow, I'm a teapot, I'm a teapot. <laughs> Trevor Glass says, The Cat in London. That bloody, that bloody cat. <laughs> John Jeffrey says, Always beans means heens. I'm surprised we haven't had more mentions of that yet. I'm sure there's a couple more coming, though. Grant Wilwright says, was hoping you'd do something like this. I've always loved the hilarity of Scoutrageous and the trio failing to keep straight faces all the way through and Tim looks ridiculous with the bin bag <laughs> on his head. 
And Paul Hayes says, it's very difficult picking a particular Tim moment as he never gave less than 100%. But the one bit that always makes me laugh is when he flung himself into the river in Sicily. A bright (laughs) bit in a dull episode. And with the exception of that bloody kitten, um, I think the one clip that made it all the way through to the end of the series in the opening credits. A very memorable one, yeah, absolutely. And the last batch of listener feedback, Richard, uh, over to you. Yes, from Julian Gabriel Clark. I got to meet him at Sci-Fi Ball this year, and he was very flattered and rather moved that I cosplayed as him. I went to both of his talks and asked loads of questions, and I'll never forget giving him a big hug. Lovely. Braden Ashley Morrissey says... Just the entire Apartheid episode. Certainly hasn't aged very well, but there's still some amazing moments with him. I hope he doesn't mean the racial stuff. (laughs) From Adam Long, watched a bit of Clown Virus episode yesterday. Made me laugh. Bill Oddie's pants are funny. (laughs) Craig Fryers says, Very sad news. The world won't be the same without the goodies trinity. From Jill Cooper, Don't cry for me. Margentina. <laughs> and indeed from Andrew Y, just Tamita. <laughs> from our occasional co-host Mark Smith, a son, a son, I must have a son. <laughs> the disco heave, walking down the street with a sink plug around his neck, yet another one for Saturday Night Grease. Uh, and Tamita and so many more irrepressible and irreplaceable moments. Thank you, Timbo. Tamita's coming up a bit as well now. Yes, actually. From Suki Kark, we have The Goodies was my favourite show as a child, even more than Doctor Who. The reason it was so silly, fun and imaginative. I'd laugh so much. My parents, who were non-English speaking, could follow the jokes in the film sequences. So many memories laughing with my mum and dad. R.I.P. TBT. Of Kath, we got meeting Tim at the goodies convention. We were watching reruns of the goodies and Tim quietly joined us in the room. That must be Kitten Con. <laughs> he was enjoying the episodes just as much as the rest of us. I also love his Beans Means Heens advertisements, which remind me of Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> From Andy Caracana, we have the episode with the giant Zebedee and Dougal. Yes. <laughs> now, from Rachel Eyre, we have... One time, and I'm sorry I haven't a clue, the prompt was, you're never more than six feet away from, and Tim said, the baby Jesus. <laughs> it still makes me crack up. Now, we did actually get another response to that from Simon Doyle, who said, there are so many more of those little throwaway comments which have me in stitches. Pride comes before of lions. <laughs> Rome wasn't built in Norway. <laughs> Miles Northcott, what a career and what a legacy Tim leaves us. Normally playing the slightly effete, timid gent, usually the good guy, his range was actually so much greater and his comedy chops were immeasurable. He was a true giant of the comedy circuit and was superb in everything he was in, with the goodies being the obvious standout on his CV. And how iconic were his patriotic speeches. He was also one of the team involved in one of the best comedy sketches ever, the Four Yorksmen sketch, where they all try to outdo each other as to who was the most poorly off when they were younger. In addition to all of this, by all accounts, he was a true gentleman and a genuinely nice guy, and this came across whenever he was on screen, not only in character, but also significantly when he was appearing as himself. We were very lucky to have had him on our screens and radios for the last 50-plus years, and the comedy world, and thus the world itself, is a sadder place without him in it. R.I.P. Tim. Putting God Save the Queen record on now, standing and saluting you, sir. (laughs) Thank you for that, Miles. That's a very touching tribute. 
One final comment came from Aaron Challenger, which reads, I'm not ashamed to say that from a young age, my life was probably a little too influenced by popular culture. The ABC being the safe station my parents let my brother and I watch had the shows that seemed to be the cornerstone of my formative years. Certainly the ones I remember the most were British shows like The Famous Five, Cat Weasel, Doctor Who and The Goodies. All were very common in playground discussion and I remember such discussions from a very young age of things like you could really move countries by dragging them with a rowboat. (laughs) (laughs) I was pretty sure you couldn't. And could you go carrots on the moon? I even remember debates about the exact wording of the Goodies theme song, because at a young age, we didn't really know what a stripper or an OBE actually meant. (laughs) (laughs) In Australia, for so long and from such a young age, the Goodies taught kids very basic principles in an entertaining and long, endearing way. Helping people is nice. Greed is bad. Racism is wrong. And look after the environment. Simple messages in sophisticated stories on a shoestring budget delivered in a live-action cartoon world by characters who could do anything anytime. And although Tim had his moments, his character was usually the moral compass of the group. He was the goodest of the goodies. From Bill smashing his records to Graham launching him into space with a nuclear warhead strapped to his head, when bad things happened to Tim, the injustice seemed somehow worse because of the way Tim Brooke Taylor played the situations. And I think that is why so many people have been affected so greatly by his sad passing, because once again, a terrible injustice has been done to our hero, and this time he won't be back next episode. It's hard to pick a favourite goodie now because they are all such a perfect triumvirate, but as a child, I wouldn't have hesitated. It was Tim. Yeah, look, I think Aaron there summed up the experience of a lot of people of our generations growing up in Australia. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I actually would agree with Aaron. Tim was always my favourite. Watching them back when we did it for the podcast, I've most definitely come to appreciate the other two. But no, Tim Brooktail has always been my favourite goodie. So thank you to everybody who took the time to tweet us, to write in and to send us their views. I'm sure there are many more people out there. There were some great memories there. I actually was really pleased to see that there was a lot of stuff from Tim's work outside the goodies. I'm just a bit sad no one mentioned Banana Man, but... uh... Yes, I absolutely (laughs) loved Banana Man as a kid. And when I discovered that it was the goodies doing it, that really was a mind-blown moment. But now you know, you listen to them and it's just... So delightful as well, but... Yeah, knowing it was the goodies doing the voices Banana Man did make Banana Man that much cooler. Yes, and very, very witty as well. Before we go, though, we all just wanted to mention what episode of the goodies are we going to put on tonight to remember Tim? Richard, what about you? Uh, Well, the two I immediately went to, I have actually watched them, were Earth and Asia and The End. Uh, Surprise, surprise. (laughs) But I do know that they were two of Tim's favourite episodes. He did go on record, and quite recently as well, as saying the bottle episodes where they just had to interact with each other for 30 minutes were among his favourites. And I still thoroughly enjoyed them. Yeah, I must say, uh, Tim and Graham doing that little Muppet sketch in Euthanasia <laughs> must be some of the funniest couple of minutes of any episode of The Goodies or indeed any television. The one I will say got me actually was Gilbert the Mouse in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, what are you going to put on to remember Tim tonight? I'm going to actually bypass my go-to favourite, which is Scout Radius. And actually, I'm going to go jump into String because yep. I think Tim... Just has so much to play with in that episode. It's an amazing performance by him. Yeah, it really is that one. Because he carries that whole second act, doesn't he? He does. And it's an example of something that I think Graham highlighted in his tribute in the Daily Mail, that 
so often the other two just gave Tim the harder work, the harder performance, the harder stunt to do, the outrageous costume to do, and he just rose to the occasion. So the episode I'm going to put on, and again, I've decided to bypass perhaps the obvious picks. I'm going to go and put on Scotland because I think that's just got everything of Tim. It's got his interactions with the zookeeper. It's got all his stuff with the spider, the bagpipe spider, where he's just so terrified. He's having fun doing the Scottish thing, the stuff with him under the lake, the ending stuff with him and Bernard Breslau after they don't find the monster. I think that's just got every bit of Tim's performance. So that's what I'm going to put on when we've done with this to remember Tim Brooke Taylor. Excellent. Nice choice. So thank you again to everybody who contributed. We're all very sad. We're all going to miss Tim, but I think that this has just proven... Whether it was, I'm sorry I read that again at last 1948 show, I'm sorry I haven't a clue, the goodies, or Willy Wonka, or so many other things he did, just what a positive impact he had on all of our lives. And at the end of the day, if that's what you can say about somebody, I think that's pretty good. So, I've been Dave. I'm Richard. And I've been Tom. And we're going to finish now by listening to a few classic clips of Tim Brooke Taylor. And while you're doing that, you might take a walk in the Black Forest. If I was a millionaire... If I was a millionaire and lived off private means, I'd still spend all my money on lovely hot baked beans. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I'd buy a yacht and a villa in the south of France and have lots of ladies with no clothes on and buy a new bicycle. And I wouldn't eat any rotten beans. I'd eat bullseyes and caviar and chips. <laughs> We're about to witness the greatest miracle of the machine age. Based on the revolutionary Computonian law of probability, this machine will tell us the precise location of the three remaining golden tickets. It says, I won't tell, that would be cheating. I am now telling the computer that if it will tell me the correct answer, I will gladly share with it the grand prize. He says, what would a computer do with a lifetime supply of chocolate? I am now telling the computer exactly what he can do with a lifetime supply of chocolate. This is 29 Acacia Road, and this is Eric, the schoolboy who leads an amazing double life. When Eric eats a banana, an amazing transformation occurs. Eric is Banana Man, ever alert for the call to action. If you want me, I shall be in the spleen. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>